Good morning. We must change our strategy. We must change our strategy. Now, strategy really is just skillful planning. There are taxes we use. There are approaches that we use. And we're using approaches as we're studying uh, the book of Acts. And we find out that they are doing some things, uh, but we really don't do those things like we're reading about and what we're going to read today. We're really not doing those things. So what must we do in order to change our strategy to get the results that they got in the book of Acts? So as we go into this message, I'm going to read to you a statistic from Bonner Report. Now, this is a Bonner Report, and it says, the report indicates a great deal of inconsistency among Americans with regard to their beliefs. For instance, 62% of respondents said they have a personal, uh, have made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. 62%. Now, 65% said the term born again does not apply to them. Now, that's, that's kind of a, you know, interesting because if you think of 100% of the people who surveyed, that's interesting. And then it says, fewer, fewer down, I mean, less than 50% strongly agree that the Bible is written, is the written word of God, and is totally accurate in everything it teaches. Less than 50%. Now, that's, those are some odd statistics. Somewhere, we are missing it as a church or as people who say that they are Christians. Let me give you another statistic. Now, this, is, this was done. It says that 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. 95%. Now, we're, we're, we're studying the book of Acts now. We're about to finish that up. And you're thinking that, okay, they were doing some things here. The church was on the move. God's word was being proclaimed. But it says that among those who were surveyed, Christians now, Christians, 95% have never won a soul, not one soul, to Christ. Eight to five percent, no, 80 percent of all Christians do not consistently witness for Christ. Now, you wouldn't believe that probably. Eighty percent of all Christians, they don't even consistently witness for Christ. In other words, they don't talk about Christ. They don't tell anybody about the good news. And that's, that's totally different from what we are studying in Acts, isn't it? It's, it's totally different. Now, it says that. Less than 2% are involved in the ministry of evangelism. So we have ministers to, that um, reach out to people, but it said only 2% are involved in Christianity that they surveyed, involved in those ministries. 71% do not give towards the financing of the Great Commission. So we have the Great Commission to go into the nations. Uh, but it says that 71% don't give towards it. 
So those statistics tell us that somewhere we're going to have to change our strategy. We're going to have to change our strategy. We're going to have to do something that's going to help us to better represent Christ and what he's asked us to do in the Great Commission. Now, you remember the Great Commission. Is that correct? We gave it, gave it that last week and from two different places. And we said that we're supposed to go to all nations. We're supposed to really um, make disciples or really make followers, followers or really just uh, make sure they are believers, that they believe in the, in the gospel. <clears throat> That's what they, they basically mean. And we're supposed to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're supposed to teach them, and which is part of discipleship. And we're supposed to go in power. You remember that last week. And we emphasized going in power last week. Well, the way God led me to this today is that there's a disconnect. And if I just teach, what's going to happen is that we're going to keep doing the same thing. And if we keep doing the same thing, we're going to keep getting the same result. And we don't want to do that. Do we? Revelations 20. We're going to go there. And I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures. And then we'll get into the meat of the lesson from Acts. In Revelations chapter 20, starting in verse 10, it says, And the devil who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire. So remember the lake of fire and brimstone. So we have the lake of fire and brimstone. This is for Satan. And also it says, where the beast and the false prophet are also. So we have the beast, the false prophet, we have the devil. They were thrown in the lake of fire and brimstone. It says that, and they will be tormented day and night. Now, how long? Forever and ever. That's what it said, forever and ever. Now, that's, that's interesting, and that's good. Now, the thing we have to be concerned with is verse 11 on down. It says, then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, and whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them and i saw the dead the great and small standing before the throne and the books were open and another book was open which is the book of life and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hades gave up the dead which were in them and they were judged every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Then we have the devil. We have the false prophet in there. We have also the beast. Then we have death and Hades in the lake of fire and brimstone. Then it says in verse 15, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So now, that should alarm us. That should alarm us because anyone whose name is not found in there, that means that they did not 
believe. That means they were never saved. That means that uh, what Jesus is asking us to do in the Great Commission, what he's asking us to do and what we're we following in, in the book of Acts, he's asking us to make sure that no one has to be thrown in that lake of fire. And if the t- statistics are right, that 90-some percent of Christians don't even witness for Christ, then we have a problem. Do you understand the problem? 95% not witnessing. We have a lake of fire and brimstone that's not meant for um, humans. And we say, well, my goodness gracious, who, who is, who's going to the nations? 5%. Who's going who's gonna to try to win somebody to the Lord? 5% of all Christianity, all over the world, 5%. Can you imagine here today if somebody, if someone doesn't open their mouth for Jesus Christ, there are a lot of people going to hell, which we call the lake of fire, brimstone. So, a lot of people going. And so I said, God, what are we going to do? Because I can keep going through Acts, and it's going to get really good what Paul was doing. Because from chapter 13 on through the rest of Acts, Paul is on his missionary journeys. And all he was doing is, is, is starting churches, witness for Christ, talking about Jesus Christ, talking about uh, the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ and the price he's paid for us. And you don't have to uh, uh, be in your sins forever. You can now. Uh, be forgiven of your sins. Oh, that's good. He's going everywhere doing that. We'll find where Paul gets stoned. We'll find where, oh, Paul is just, he, he doesn't care. Uh, one of the prophets said, that, hey, you know, you're gonna, you, the one who's wearing this belt right here, the belt who this belonged to, they're gonna, you're going to Jerusalem, and they're going to uh, uh, capture you there. And, and, and the disciples said, no, Paul, you can't go. He said, I don't care about uh, of being bound. I don't care about them doing anything. All I care about is doing what Christ told me to do. So Paul was pretty tough. But we're talking about 5% of Christianity. So now, as a church, wherever the church may be, all over the world, I think we're going to have to change our strategy. What do you think? Are you following me? If, if we keep... Uh, Doing what we're doing, I believe that we're going to have some probably tears that shouldn't be shed, that's shed when we get to heaven, and knowing that we didn't, we didn't do what God has called us to do because we're too comfortable. Or it might be because our personality says that we don't feel comfortable talking to people that we don't know, or we don't feel comfortable uh, Inviting people uh, to come to church. We don't feel comfortable in, in, uh, talking to them or giving them a track. We don't feel comfortable uh, doing it. We, I mean, we just don't feel comfortable. Now, I'm one that don't feel comfortable. But that doesn't mean that it's going to paralyze me. You can be afraid to go door to door. You can be afraid to uh, go out to the mall and just... Uh, uh, ask God, say, okay, God, by your Holy Spirit, show me somebody you want me to talk to while I'm out here because we're going out and we just, we, we're going to witness somebody. Those things are very important, you know. 
That, that can be very fearful. Very fearful. Let me, let me read you a, a, a story about a situation. This is a person, and he's just like, like us, except he was not ashamed to open his mouth. So many years ago in St. Louis, a lawyer visited a Christian to transact some business. Before the two departed, the client said to him, I've often wanted to ask you a question, but I've been afraid to do so. Now, see, fear is not uh, foreign to anybody. Uh, we, we're kind of afraid. If, 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 you're, if you have a lawyer, you're going to a lawyer for some reason, whatever, whether it be uh, a property or uh, whether it be anything like that. We had to have some lawyers for, for, for the church for, um, to do many things on the church. We had to have a lawyer uh, to, to transact the business. So, but sometimes we're afraid to talk to people. So the person said, what do you want to know? That's what the lawyer asked. The man replied, I've wondered why you're not a Christian. Just, just a question. I've, I've wondered why you're not a Christian. Anybody can ask that question. Now, they, they could say, how do you know I'm not a Christian? They could say that, which is fine. It doesn't matter what they say. It can lead you to, to a conversation. I would, I, was, I would probably suggest not ask, are you a Christian? Because most, of, most people are going to say yes. And they don't really, uh, they don't really, really believe. The man hung his head. I know enough about the Bible to realize that it says no drunkard can enter the kingdom of God. And you know my weakness. So now we have this lawyer who's really has a, alcohol problem. Are there people in society that, that operate and very fine, but they have an alcohol problem? Of course. The Christian says, you are avoiding my question. Come on, answer the question. Why aren't you a Christian? Well, truthfully, I can't recall anyone ever explaining how to become a Christian. I wonder, can, can uh, people in our neighborhood say that? I wonder, can our neighbors, you know, that are way down the street say that? They said that the, the average people don't know the neighbors around them, their name. And I had to think. I don't know my neighbor's full name. I know the one on the right, the one on the left some of them, and the one across the street, and one down the street, because I taught him at Linkhorn, but that's the only ones I know. Um, there are a lot of people up and down my street, but I just don't know the name, because I never uh, tried to get to know them. Minerva did. She invited the ladies uh, to the house for, you know, tea, uh, but uh, <laughs> when we first got to the neighborhood, but anyway, uh, that's true. We, we tend to, I, I tend to come home, get home, and I don't want to talk to anybody. You know? I, I'm sure you, you're, you're not like me. But it says, but it says here, picking up the Bible, this is what the, the Christian did, picking up the Bible, the client read some passages showing that all are under the condemnation, 
but that Christ came to save the lost by dying on the cross for their sins. By receiving him as your substitute and redeemer, he said, you can be forgiven if you're willing to receive Jesus. Let's pray together. The lawyer agreed. And when it was time for him to pray, the lawyer said, oh, Jesus, I'm a slave to alcohol. One of your servants has shown me how to be saved. Oh, God, forgive my sins and help me overcome the power of this terrible habit in my life. Right there, he was converted. That person uh, is or was at that time. He still is. Uh, the name is. And you know, you recognize the name when I say C.I. Schofield. That was, that was the person. That was the lawyer. Schofield was a, he's, he's, um, he's written, um, edited a, refer, a reference Bible. He, he, he has a Bible by his name. Schofield Bible. And a lot of you probably have seen Schofield Bible. I wonder, it was 95%, you know, don't, they don't open their mouth for Jesus Christ. That was one of the 5% that did. And this man, this lawyer, came, went on become a great man of God because somebody opened their mouth. We're going to have to change, aren't we? Somewhere, we're going to have to change. And I said, God, help us to change our strategy because our strategy is not working. First Timothy 2, let's look there and see what God's heart is because I want us to have God, I want us to really, uh, before we go into Acts, I want us to really have God's heart on this thing because it, it really is no need to uh, just act like we are doing what we're supposed to do. And I don't tell you, oh, wait, wait a minute. We need to change our strategy. We really need to start doing a little bit more of what God has t- told us to do, a lot more of what he's told us to do. Uh, you want me to tell you that, and so that's what, because I'm telling myself that. We're all in this together. We're all one family. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. So God wants us to be praying for people. That's very important. We need to pray for the salvation of souls. We really need to do that. That's one of the neglected things that that we tend to do uh, as a universal church is pray, particularly for lost souls. I have a instituted about about two three years ago uh, prayer time from nine to nine thirty for just for the lost, just for the lost. And last time I checked. One person comes the whole time. Been coming for the last three years. One person. Is that right, Ms. Dorsey? Just one person. That's Ms. Dorsey. And I know you say, well, uh, I didn't know they had that prayer. Well, let me tell you, we announced it. And for now, you can't say, I didn't tell you, can you? We have a prayer time from 9 to 9.30 in the nursing, in, in the nursery. In the, on, the, on the corridor over there, the children's corridor, for the lost, 9 to 9.30. And then from 9.30 to 10.15, we're supposed to be praying for the service, basically. 
So uh, if anybody want to join Ms. Dorsey, you are welcome. And when she's not here, nobody's there. They're lost. They're lost. They're lost. I believe that no one can come to Christ unless the Father draws them. Because that's what the Word tells me. So if, if nobody draws them, it's usually because no prayer is going up. I know that, it, that the God's world blinds the mind of those, who, those unbelievers. With the minds blinded, they can't accept. And so praying for the lost, you're praying to pull down the blinders off their eyes. Prayer works. We all agree that prayer works, don't we? Then we need to pray. It says, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Verse 3, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires, who desires all men, all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Now we have God's heart here. God said he desires that all men be saved and come into the knowledge of truth. That's what he desires. That means he doesn't desire 95% of us never to witness to anybody. He doesn't desire people to be thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone with the enemy, the devil. He doesn't want that. But he uses us. And we are weak. But we are powerful with the Holy Spirit, which we talked about last week. We must go in power. And then he tells us that um, for there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed, as Paul talked, a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Now he's talking to Timothy, and he's telling Timothy that, Timothy, I've been appointed to the Gentiles, and I'm going. And I want you to be with me, Timothy. I'll leave you and do things when I, when I, when I uh, leave them undone. I'll have you to do things. But we're going, and we're going to proclaim the good news. Do you believe that, that God thinks it's a small thing that he gave his only begotten son? That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have, have everlasting life? It's a small thing. It's a big thing, isn't it? How big do you think it is? Uh, it's the most, it's the, that's the most important thing in the world, isn't it? Most important thing in the world. Nothing else is important above that. Well, that's correct. Now, if he did that, do you think then the next most important thing is for people to get saved? Hmm? If he gave his son, he didn't give his son for everybody to die and go to hell. Come on. Did he? He gave him for for people to get saved, didn't he? Right. Well, then, how are they going to get saved? How are they going to have faith? How how are they going to believe if somebody doesn't proclaim him, it doesn't say that in Romans 10. 
Romans chapter 10, yeah, it says. How are they going to believe if, if somebody don't tell them? How was, how was Schofield going to believe if somebody didn't, didn't, didn't lead, him, lead him to the Lord? Didn't tell them about Jesus Christ? Didn't tell them that uh, your alcohol problem? That's not your problem. Your problem is a salvation problem, eternity problem. We can deal with this alcohol thing. We can deal with that. But your soul, oh, my goodness gracious. That's the main thing. And Schofield gave his life to Christ. So you know he, he wasn't an uh, alcoholic anymore. You know that God dealt with that. We have to change our strategy, don't we? We have to change our strategy. We have to start changing our mindset or something. We have, to, we have to start thinking this thing a little bit different. I mean, just think about the teenagers. Just think about it. They're sitting back there on the back row. You know? I mean, you know, we, we have to change our strategy because... I, I believe they would, they would raise their hand if I said, uh, are you all Christians? Sure, they'll raise their hand. I'm not asking them, but, you know, um, uh, they would raise their hand. And if I said, well, how many, since we're adults and we're supposed to be examples, how many of us really, we, I mean, we make it a habit of witnessing to people? Then if, 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 the, if the percentage is not very, very high, like 95% of us, then... We're not showing them a good example. No, we're really not. And evangelism is a lot, a lot of different things. Like prayer is part of it. Like I said. Let's look at Acts chapter 10. Because, see, Paul said that I am a teacher, an apostle to the Gentiles. And so when we get into Acts and start reading about Paul, Paul just told Timothy what God's will is for all to be saved and come to knowledge true. So therefore, Timothy, I have to go to all the Gentiles everywhere I'm going, whether they want me to go, whether they want, don't want me to go. And of course, you know, Paul, he's always going to have a desire for his brother to be saved, the Jews. So he's going to go into synagogue most of the time. He's going to try to um, get the Jews to understand, his brother to understand, hey, this is, this is the Christ now. This is the Messiah. You better stop this stuff. But sometimes the Jews, they were like the church. Uh, in that, and we, we sometimes, we pick it on the, on, on the Pharisees because they were kind of hard people and things like that. And we say, well, you know, a lot of leaders, they're like the Pharisees. But a lot of Christians are like the Pharisees because we tend to make it hard for somebody to, to get saved. Really, really, we do. And you think about it now. Really, we do. Uh, sometimes in churches, and we're talking about universal now, not cornerstone, uh, but we're part of the universal church. Our, our services are not geared for unbelievers to get saved. Think about it. They're not geared for it. Because sometimes we use words uh, that they really don't understand. Because I'm sure you've heard, if, if I, normally I, I will not use the word, hopefully, uh, say, uh, you must be born again. Well, a Christian would know what that means. But a non-Christian, they don't know what it means. They'll say, like Nicodemus, uh, how am I going to be born again? Do I have to go in my mother's womb and come out again? What, what, how am I going to get born again? If we say, well, hey, you've got to be washed in the blood. Now, you know. 
that's not too good. <laughs> that's not too good, you know. Uh, because a non-Christian, uh, especially somebody been in a, in a, a violent background, had been in prison and stuff like that, like, uh, because some people, uh, they, they've read a, led a rough life, you know. Uh, and they know what blood is because they've shed it. And they're not going to be washed in the blood. So we can't use those terms, but sometimes we do. We use terms like that. Uh, sometimes our services are so foreign to them. Uh, our music has to be excellent. You understand? Because they listen to excellent music. And it's not Christian music. It's not Christian words. It's not, but it's excellent. I mean, it has bass, man. They, they, you hear them down the street. You can hear them anywhere you go. Uh, they, 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 they got some music, man. And they, those cars, man, they dress those cars up. They, they really understand music. They understand music. They really do. Sometimes in churches, uh, they stand up, kneel down. Stand up, kneel down. Stand up, kneel down. Sometimes in churches, they had to stand for an hour. People are not used to standing for an hour, singing songs. Really, they're not singing because they, the, they don't know the tune. They don't know it. So a non-Christian, when it comes in, really, they don't sing because they don't know it. And you make them stand for an hour sometimes. Think about it. Because we want them to be like us. This is our church. So therefore, when you come, you do what we do. They say, well, no, thank you. I'll just go right back home, and I'll never come again. And we don't care because we said, well, you know, hey, uh, if God wanted them, he'll bring them back. No, 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 come on. God brought them, and they expect you to do something about it. Uh, Some some women, sometimes they come, and they might not be dressed appropriately. Think about it. Think about that. Uh, it was a, uh, it was a, I think Joyce Myers short, shared a testimony of how she, when uh, she got saved, she was teaching Bible uh, class with short shorts on and smoking a cigarette. Now suppose, suppose uh, somebody come into your church, suppose Joyce Myers came into your church smoking a cigarette, lit, lit up right in the service, you know. And of course, we'll say, hey, you can't smoke in here. They say, okay, I'll go out and smoke. And they go outside and smoke, and they'll stay out there to the service over with. And then they'll go home with the person invited them. Hey, heard nothing. There are people who come with uh, short dresses on. that's not saved. You know, they, they, just, they just come. This is what they wear. Come on. And we kind of look at them. We kind of uh, make eyes at them and stuff like that and kind of, you know, act like they're they, they, they out of place. We have to be... Um, let's say, more open to people inviting their unsaved friends to church. Sometimes as Christians, we act like we are maybe John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist, he was in the wilderness. You know, he ate locusts and honey. Uh, He he was dressed in, you, you know, sometimes Christians are like that in their personality. They act like Somebody, somebody new coming to church, hello. And they go, mm-hmm. keep on pushing. I mean, you can't act that way, you know, if you're going to get somebody saved. Really. 
there are people who come to this church, uh, who we invite to come in this church. They've said that, you know, if I were, if I didn't know somebody already, I wouldn't come back to this church anymore. Because this person right here, they just, they won't speak to me. And I said, hmm, that's interesting. In this church? Yes, in this church. They don't speak. They just walk around like they, I guess, holier than somebody. They, they, they just are in, in, in the, looking in, in the heaven, hope that they uh, open up and they see Jesus or something. They don't speak to anybody. Now, come on. How are you going to get somebody saved running them away? Because obviously we're supposed to have the joy of the Lord. And if you don't see joy, then I say you don't have joy. Because if you don't see apples, I say you don't have an apple tree. That's what I say. And, and non-Christians, when they come, if you're going to be just like the world, talking about people, you can't talk about people and win people to the Lord. Because you're going to be around somebody who's on the fringes, and they might say, well, I was going to come, and I was going to hang out with that church, but what happened is that these men started talking about this other man in the church. And so then uh, I said, that's what we do at work. So I'm not coming back to that church anymore. People do that. Honestly, they do that. You can't, you can't talk about people. You're a Christian. We had you in James for a whole year. And James has said that many times, don't speak against one another, brethren. He said that. And so you can't do that and expect that you're going to win people to the Lord. You're going to turn people away from the Lord. These things are very important. We're going to have to change our strategy. Now, see, you're not like a Pharisee, are you? You're not that type to say, well, if they're not circumcised, if they don't, you know, uh, uh, eat the, the purified uh, animals, they eat some pork and stuff like that, then they can't hang with us. You're not going to be like a Pharisee, are you? You're going to be like Jesus Christ. You're going to save Nicodemus. You're going to talk to Nicodemus. You're going to his house. You're going to talk to the woman at the well, even though she's a uh, Samaritan. You're going, to, you're, going, you're going to be like Jesus, aren't you? Because that's what we're supposed to be. We're going to be like Jesus. So we can't put all these restrictions on people because you remember that part of the commission is to go out and make disciples. Make followers, baptize them, then teach them. Don't try to uh, believe that they're going to already be taught, already know, already going to hang in there with you until you get around to teaching them. They, they are not going to do that. You're going to have to love them just the way they are. You're going to have to provide an atmosphere where they can be comfortable. And if they hang around long enough, they're going to find somebody they relate to if y'all are friendly, you've got to be friendly. And then somebody's going to be able to teach them because they won't, they're, going to, they're going to be thirsty because you're going to present salt to them, light to them. You're going to present Jesus Christ to them. They're going to see Jesus Christ. Before they ever hear about him, they're going to see it in you. And that's marvelous. That's marvelous. So you're going to have to invite people. Don't ever be afraid to invite people to church. Don't ever be afraid. 
I guess about, uh, maybe, I don't know what it was, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, I think it was about 11 or 12 years ago, something like that. Uh, a person told me, who used to go to church, uh, said, I would invite somebody to the church if the music was different. I said, you're here. Yeah, but I'm faithful, so I'm here, but uh, I'm not invited about it because I don't like the music. Now, that's one good thing to say when we get to heaven. You know, Jesus, I know that you're, you died for the world, but I'm not, I didn't invite people because to, to you. So they were probably, probably in hell, but uh, I didn't like the music. He's going to say, I, I agree with you, I didn't like it either. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? He doesn't care. He doesn't care. <laughs> because, because, because he knows that doesn't mean not one thing to him when it comes to the salvation of his soul, music. It really doesn't. And I've told you before, I didn't, I didn't even like this church when I came 20-something years ago. I didn't like it. I, mean, I, didn't, I only like two things. A family that was in the church. Was Ms. Dorsey, and she had a son. Um, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Those are the only two people really I knew. And um, the pastor taught from the Word of God. Those are the only two things I liked. Because I didn't like to be preached at. I liked to be taught. Because I, I was preached at every, every time I went to church with my mother. I was preached at and didn't, didn't know nothing and didn't like it because he's just hollering and just well, and everybody else, you know, amen and everything else. But um, I didn't see anybody living for the Lord like the should, so they weren't taught. But anyway, um, that's the only two things I like. So the only reason I came back was because of one person. That's my wife. That's the only reason I came back. Um, and I'm still here, thank God. And they, they, they didn't uh, make me do things, really, that, that I didn't want to do. Uh, and I'm glad they didn't make me feel bad about not doing it because I wasn't going to raise no hands. And I got behind, this usually happens when you're new. You get behind somebody who just, I mean, they're just fired up about worship. And it's, it's scary to me. Honest to goodness. I've never seen anybody raise a hand. In church, only on football fields and athletic events, I've seen him raise his hand. Never in a church. I said, man, this, they, they, they're disrespectful of God, you know. Because I didn't have any sense biblically, spiritually, no sense at all. Yeah? So how could I know anything? Um, so I said, I said, maybe we can sit a different place whenever because uh, I don't want And I'm not going to raise my hands. And she said, I don't think anybody care. Uh, but anyway, she uh, was was uh, uh, she deferred to me, and and we went about eleven o'clock after the music was over, with because I didn't like all this raising the hands and stuff and stuff. So realize that some people are there, honestly, some people are there. That doesn't mean that that raising your hands anything like is, is wrong. It's not. It's not wrong. I mean, that's that's scripture. That's scripture. But you don't want to uh, make people seem like they have to do it. 
Because if somebody would have told me, hey, bro, uh, why don't you raise your hand, man? You know, and why don't you dance before the Lord? They would have lost me. I wouldn't have come back. Definitely I wouldn't have come back. But never, no, never. I wouldn't come back. <laughs> See, one uh, would do that. Because they're going to try to make me do something that I didn't want to do. People are there, I'm telling you. People there. And now Miss Dorsey was hoping that I would have a good experience because she's the one who invited me. Um, and Miss Dorsey, I didn't, but I came back anyway. <laughs> I came back anyway. And some people come back anyway. Uh, so what am I saying? I'm saying that the bottom line is that realize that we're going to have to change our strategy. If, if 95% of the church is not going out and be like Paul, then how are we going to get them in? Tell me. If we're not going to go out and take our van or whatever and, and get on the street corner with our praise team and, and draw a crowd and preach to them, and we're doing that uh, every single week trying to get the law saved in Lynchburg, all over in James Crossing, all over in Birchwood, all over uh, where the pool located out on, on Camel Avenue, all over that, that section, over in White Rock. If we're not doing that, how are we going to get them in? Tell me. Do you think we're going to get them in through radio? I'm not on radio. Do you think we're going to get them in through flyers? You know? Elder, Elder John, he, he, he said we're going to go out, going out and pass flyers. He might have about five people, and they go in the neighborhood. But we can send mailers out. It costs about $1,000, $2,000 every time you send mailers out. If you send it, we're trying to send it all over to a certain zip code, a certain uh, type of profile of what you're looking for, what your church is about. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? And most people don't give for evangelism, so if you don't give towards you don't have the money to evangelize, so now how are we going to get them in? Tell me. Come on. Because we, we, aren't we a church? Aren't we? We're studying Acts now. You know Paul said, I'm going to the Gentile. I don't have to even go where you, t- you know what Paul did. You read Acts before. You know what Paul did. Everywhere he went, he preached the gospel, he healed the sick. You know, dead was raised. You know what Paul did? We want that to happen in the church, of course. But I see most of the time it happened out in the marketplace. That's why I see it with Jesus. There's a few healings took place in service in the synagogue. Not many. Most of them, you know, outside. Outside. But if 95% of us not going out there, then how are we going to get more people out of hell, lake of fire, and brimstone? How are we going to keep them out? So I'm just saying we've got to change our strategy. Now, uh, there are several things we're going to be trying to do to help that. I mean, we sent mailers out. We sent mailers out for our um, anniversary for... We sent it out for there. We did a lot of things for our uh, grand opening. We did those things like that. But we can't sustain that because we don't have the finances to sustain it. Uh, we, we have to uh, do other things also. So, therefore, I said, God, help, help us. Help us to change our strategy because we're going to have to get the law saved. Now, let's look at one instance here, what happened uh, Paul, and because this is important for you to know, uh, 
this is a, we, we go into chapter 10 and look at uh, Peter. He was sent to the Jews, uh, but he was used for the Gentiles also. Now, you remember I talked about Cornelius last time, centurion. That's chapter 1. He was a God-feared, devout, devout man. We know that he sent for Peter. We know that um, Peter came. Verse 24 is where I want to go, where it's very important I want you to hear, I want you to see. Acts chapter 10, verse 24. On the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. His relatives and his close friends. Now, that's where it's so exciting when you get someone born again. Because when you get them born again, nine times out of ten, you're going to get their relatives and their close friends. If they're excited about Jesus Christ. And usually when somebody gets born again, they're excited about Jesus Christ. You know the results. All these people up in this house, his friends, and he's a centurion, so you know he had, he had friends. He gave money. Um, so you know he, has, he had friends because he, he had a lot of money. So he gave money to the Jews and everything. So uh, here's man house filled with, with his relatives and his friends. And last week we said that the Holy Spirit fell. And all of them gave their life to Jesus Christ, really. All of them got baptized. First 45 said all, um, all the circumcision believed. Believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gifts of the Holy Spirit were poured out on the Gentiles. And it says that, uh, verse 47, surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to stay a few days. Uh, when, I, when, when, when I met, uh, I like to use, I like, I like to use John as an example because uh, he's, I know him and he's, he's very uh, likable and I can use him a lot because he doesn't understand English as well so he doesn't know what I'm saying a lot of times uh, but anyway um, uh, uh, John when I met John the the realtor that was showing Sean and Brandy houses they wanted. They were looking at a house over there where um, Jack Jenny lives, on that street over there, and and they wanted to see how much it would cost to, to redo those wood floors. And so uh, this lady, Cynthia, said, "Well, hey, uh, I know a person who can give us an estimate." And so uh, we met with John. That was the first day I saw John. First time I ever laid eyes on him was John. And then we had him. To come over to Ivy's house and look at her floors, and he ended up doing uh, Ivy's floors. And one day, uh, we, as we were doing a church, I wanted him to give a, give a bid because he's in business of his own, uh, doing, a, doing a, uh, the, the dance floor over there, which is a rep- the Mother Purpose room. And we were over in, um, was it Home Depot or Lowe's? Lowe's, okay, we were over in Lowe's. And I asked him a question. I said, I said, John, uh, I'm going to 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite you to church on Easter. I think it was Easter. Was it Easter? Was it the first service you came? Uh, I'm invite you to church on Easter. And so now I could have. Now we we talked for a long time, and uh, he said he had given his life to Christ and all like that, uh, but I didn't know what that meant, really, because people can tell you they're Christian that I, yeah I give my life to Christ. Uh, I give my life to Christ. Or let's say I joined church when I was little, and I want a bit more saved than uh, Schofield before he got saved. So when I came to uh, this church, Ms. Doris, I wasn't saved. You probably knew that anyway. Uh, but, <laughs> but I didn't. You know, I, I thought I went up joined church. I got baptized in the river. I thought I was going to heaven. If somebody told me I'm going to hell, we had a fight. On the hand, you know. Um, but but after being in church and hearing things uh, and start reading things, I said, "Whoa, this is a serious thing. This this burning lake. Uh, I'm gonna go back. make sure I'm not going there. I like heat, but I don't like that much, you know. <laughs> so so that's what that's what happened to me. Uh, so John, I said, I'm gonna invite John to church, and we'll we'll just see how how, that, how it goes, you know. Um, and I didn't try to lead him to the Lord. I didn't try to do all the kind of, you know, theological stuff with him and ask him all these questions. Just invite him to church. That's all. Now, suppose I would say, well, he won't like our church because we have English. And he's, uh, he's, he's Spanish. He's not going to like our church. I'm not going to invite him to our church. I'll just tell him, why don't you go to church on Easter? Now, suppose I would have done that. You know, wouldn't that have been terrible? You see? Don't ever, don't ever try to uh, make a decision for somebody else. You just invite them and see what God does. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised what God can do. In spite of us, <laughs> he can do something. So anyway, uh, I invited him, and he came and brought Quinta. Uh, that was the first time I saw her when, when she came to church. And her, her uh, you had five of them with you, I think. You know, which at that time, I said, ooh, we boy, John, you got a lot of, of people here, boy. And, um, and they are still here. Matter of fact, um, this scripture was walked out because the kids were not saved. None of them. And, but they were, and they rededicate their lives and things like that. Um, but while John was passing out flyers in the neighborhood, either it was you or maybe it was you, Virgil, Maybe you were leading at that time. On them. You had their kids with, with you. And then they came back, and they were waiting on John and Quinta because John and Quinta went to do a job. Well, we were sitting in the lobby, and so we had the five kids. And, and so I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to witness to them. So I witnessed to them, and all of them got saved. All of them got saved. That day... In that lobby, because they came to help pass out tracks, and uh, for some reason, John and them hadn't gotten back. But by the time they got back, we'd all led each one of them to the Lord. You know? And I think, isn't that a praise offering we can give God? Okay? Yeah. And, and, and the, the story doesn't end there because uh, Quinta has sisters. One sister... Uh, you, you're holding the baby of that sister right there. And uh, 
Tell him, let, let, let us see, see the baby. And what was the baby's name? Mariana, okay. That's Mariana. That's, that's, that's uh, Quinta's sister's child, okay. And she has another sister, Misha, right there. Uh, she, she invites her sister. She invited her mother. Her mother's been here, too. And uh, one day we were sitting over there. It had been about maybe a, a month ago or something like that. That you remember, I said, well, everybody repeat after me. And we let, let through everybody through the sinner's prayer. Well, she raised her hand to be saved. And I didn't want anybody to know who it was. So I said, well, everybody repeat after me. Well, that Misha gave her life to Christ that day. You know? You see? So just like Cornelius, just like Cornelius, I'm saying, all you have to do is just invite people. Now, this church is not like, and definitely music is not like they're used to. Is the music like you used to, you know? No, and the music is not like no used to, you know? Because uh, they don't listen to that kind of music. Okay, but they come because Quinta comes. Quinta comes because John comes. You see? John comes because he was invited and he likes you all. You know, really, he does. He likes you all. <laughs> yeah. You see? So in the first of the year, uh, the first Sunday, we're going to start the year off with baptism. So that's what we're going to do. we got other people who want to be baptized, too. But we got, we, 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 we've been working on this thing um, because the vow wouldn't do right. But anyway, it, it's, it's good enough for we can baptize somebody. It's, it's heated and everything. So uh, we're going to baptize somebody the first Sunday in January. Okay? So all I'm saying is that uh, th- this is just one, 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 one incident now because you've invited people. You know, um, and all you had to do is just keep inviting. Uh, the whistle here because somebody invited him. Somebody invited him. I didn't invite him. Somebody invited him. Yeah. Uh, the Smiths are here because Miss Dorset invited him. It's just everybody invited. Uh, the Strodels are here because Tina invited her best friend, uh, Angela. And Angela came, and then Justin came with her, her husband, and now. We have a guitar player. We have a sound person. We have all this stuff going on uh, because somebody opened their mouth and said, hey, uh, why don't you come to church? That's good. Nicole is here because Ed opened his mouth. At a, uh, what is it, yard sale, Ed? A yard sale. So Nicole is here. Richard is here because Nicole is here. I guess you're here because Nicole is here. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So invite people. Invite people. Most of us here are here because somebody invited us. Most of us are here. So why don't you open your mouth for Jesus Christ? He's worth it, people. That's why we're celebrating Christmas, the birth of our Savior. Come on. This is a good thing. Let's stand. What's the point today? Okay, we've got to change our strategy. We've got to change our strategy. That st- statistic cannot continue to go on. And it shouldn't go on at Cornerstone. We've got to change that. And we change our strategy because the loss 
needs what you have. They really do. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be servants, Lord. We thank you that we thank you that you gave us a voice box. We thank you, Father, that you gave us a way to get around, Lord. We thank you that you gave us, Father, eyes to see. We thank you, Father, that you have given us your only begotten Son. We thank you, Father, that our sins are forgiven and we're not under the bondage of sin anymore. We're not under the wrath of God anymore. We have eternal life. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Father, that all the world, all the earth speaks to your glory. And we want to glorify you. And we want the lost to be saved because that glorifies you, Lord. If there is anyone here today that have not given your life to Jesus Christ, or you don't know whether you're saved or not, you don't, but you want, to say, you want to make sure that, then raise your hand and put it back down. And we're not going to embarrass you. We just want you, you, we want you to be with Christ forever and ever. Anyone here today like that? Father, we thank you that everyone here said they've given their life to you, to you, Lord, to Jesus Christ. And we want to thank you for that. Father, we want to go out today. Go out and the rest of the six days, Lord, we want to look for opportunities that the Holy Spirit gives us to open our mouths for you. Everywhere we go, Lord, open our mouths for you. In Jesus' name, everybody say.